Welcome to episode 126 of Look at My Records. For today's episode, I had the chance to interview Menaxi, a wonderful Brooklyn-based band that fuses a lot of different styles of music. Shoegaze, dream pop, post-rock, Sufi music, Hindustani pop, just to name a few. And the band released their debut album back in March. It's called Quab. And I talked at length with frontman guitar player Shrenik Liam, who is the bass player and now also guitar player and co-songwriter. We'll get into that a little more. And Steve, the drummer, they have a lot going on in addition to releasing their debut album just a few months ago. They have plans to release three EPs before the year is up, and we got into the nitty-gritty of all of that. Plus, we talked about Trenick's background growing up in India and how the music there influenced their current sound. It's all coming right up. First, we're going to play a song from Quab to start things off. This one's called Ishk. You're listening to Look at My Records. Right, we just heard Isk from Manaxi's debut album, Quab, and I'm here with Shrenik, Liam, and Steve. Why don't you guys take a second to introduce yourselves, tell everyone your role in the band. Steve. Oh, Steve. Oh, I'll go first. All right. Um, I'm Steve. I uh, play the drums. I'm Liam. I play the bass guitar. And with the new stuff. Oh, and with a lot of the new stuff coming out, I play guitar as well. Hopefully more often regular guitar going forward. Yeah, and I guess I sing. 
in the new stuff too. He does sing. I'm too. I'm, yeah, I'm too modest apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm shredding. Um, I play the guitar, write the songs, and sing, and oversee production duties as well. Very cool. Shrednik, you have a really interesting background, just kind of doing my research on you. You're originally from Mumbai. Uh, my fiance is a first generation uh, Indian American in this country. Her dad is from a village outside of Mumbai and her mom's actually from Mumbai. So I'm interested in uh, learning, learning more about your background in music growing up in Mumbai and stuff like sure. that that we could delve into a little later. But yeah. uh, when did you, when'd you come to the States and what was your background uh, playing music growing up in India? I came here August 2015, so almost half a decade now. Um, primary motivation was to get out of the country and get some life experience and learn more about design. Um, so I went to grad school in Baltimore to study graphic design. And um, I had gotten a couple of good scholarships. So I was like, you know what? It's like, I won't have any student debt and let's just go and, and see where it takes you. And like up until 2013, I had zero life experience. You know, I had lived with my parents. So I didn't even know how to cook, um, let alone live by myself. So it was a great move. Um, and things just worked out over the years. Um, so I've been here since 2015. I visit every year. I'm fairly close to my roots and my family. Um, musically speaking, I come from a very middle-class music background. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a very middle-class Indian family, so nobody like in the family practices music. I don't come from a family of musicians. Um, but a part of me does want to believe that I, my mom's side of the family, like two generations prior to her, they are from Pakistan or they were from Pakistan. And given how rich they are in terms of like Sufi and soulful music, a part of me wants to believe that a few of my ancestors were musicians, but it could probably just be me trying to justify. So um, either way, grew up, like my, my family was interested in listening to music and there was a lot of like melodic music that was on the radio, you know, very radio friendly melodies. And I think that's how I had my first sort of forays into pop music. Um, and I think up until now, I still hold like melodies in, in, in strong regard, even though like we are a very noisy, textural, textural band. But I think melodies were something and I'm self-thought by myself, never really took a lesson, um, just locked myself in, in, a, in my room uh, growing up and tried to figure out the instrument. Guitar? Mm -hmm. The guitar, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I am interested because there's such a rich uh, musical culture in India that's very different sounding from anything you'd hear in the United States. It's very vocal centric. How do you think that's influenced your music, even though, as you said, it's more atmospheric and textural? So I think the more like over the last couple of years, I've been going back into my roots and incorporating a lot of Hindi lyrics and, and, and that side of, of, of my spirit or, or my soul, I guess. Um, I was really scared to write in Hindi for some reason for, for the longest part. Um, and the first song that I wrote, I think I shared with you, Liam, it was Ekuda, October 2018. And I had my reservations about writing in Hindi. But then I was like, you know what? Just why be afraid? Just do it, embrace it. Um, and I shared it with, with a few of my friends back home and, you know, they were like, 
it reminds me of this so-and-so band from Pakistan and that was like okay wow that's like one of my favorite bands so that sort of gives you a little bit of confidence in terms of, of writing but at the same time like I speak three languages every day so it was just more of a mental thing um, but like with the newer stuff you'll see a lot of like Sufi inspired also like classical Indian vocals as well on the new dream pop stuff that we've been working on although I have zero knowledge about that I am not technically trained in anything like I my friend Patrick who I met in Baltimore um, he recorded club basically he tracked everything and he's like a mentor and a big brother and, and, and a blessing to the band and, and, and my life but he was like Quite of quite of the vocal lines, they're Eastern. They're not like on a West, Western scale. I'm like, I have no idea how that works. So that's really interesting. You think it kind of just like seeped into your subconscious and then came out through yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like least technical when it comes to like scales and everything and all of that. That's really really cool. And Manaxi, did this start? in Baltimore as your solo project and then kind of evolve as you moved to once you moved to New York or how did this technically start Manaxi? You want to share? I mean as as far as I see it um it began in 2017 or was it 18? It was 18. It's 2018 like the middle of 2018 and you reached out or Andrew the first drummer of the band reached out through an ad that you left. It was the other way. Oh, yeah, other way around, through an ad, they met up, drummer interested in playing music, and then I was kind of incorporated in the mix as a bassist. Like, at the time, it was kind of like, I wasn't dedicated at the time, I was doing something else, I didn't think I wanted to do more than one thing, but it turns out I did. Um, and it, so yeah, I was born in 2018 here. Um, we were living together, and that's how we got together in the band in the first place. Um, and it's just been kind of changing and evolving ever since then. But no, as far as I can tell, it, you did other stuff before, but Minakshi was really born here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, I, um, June 11th was our first practice with a former drummer, Andrew. It was just me and Andrew messing around, seeing where we can go. Um, and after a while, we were we looked for a basis for a really long time. And you know, I would come home from practice and share stories with Liam about how we were flaked by 11 bases in a row. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, Initially joined, he was like, you know what, Let, let's just like play and have fun. And then one thing led to another, and now he's like writing songs and the newer stuff. Um, it's going to be his song that's going to be out first. So. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's like I'm I am a guitarist first. I picked up the bass um, because I'm like, oh, I play guitar, I can play bass. You know, I realized along the line it's not quite so black and white, <laughs> but you know it, that's how it began, and I didn't picture myself like you know being that like incorporated at first into it but you know now it's like like you said now it's like i'm writing half the ep <laughs> you know? so it's certainly changed but yeah it feels, feels like a band you know the formation of monoxy was way less like solid is what i'm saying yeah and and what's that process been like kind of evolving to stranic you being the primary songwriter to collaborating more with the other members I think it's a very collaborative process. Uh, obviously, like I have evolved since the start of, of, of the band. I think one thing that I've always maintained, or I think the band has always maintained was, we're just gonna write about, you know, what we wanna write about, because we come from different backgrounds and all of us have different influences. 
So it's we won't be sticking to like one kind of music. I think we like to experiment with different genres. Yeah, it's it, if there's a consistency throughout the EPs, especially, it's the textures and it's the vibe and the mood. But the songwriting is often very structurally different. Like you can, even if the vocals were all the same on each, you'd probably be able to tell that someone wrote each different one. You know exactly. So I think that's something that you know, because it's like as an artist, you have to evolve. If you just like keep writing the same thing over and over, it's like what's the point? Um, so the way we work, especially in rehearsals, it's you know typically I bring in a song, I just like do a dry run with Steve and Liam, and then they all like catch up like after two practices. You know we're there as a band and nobody tells like each other what to do. We just like share nuances. It's like hey, can you do this part or like what do you think about this pedal? You know just like stuff like that. So I think it's very collaborative in that regard. Yeah, Steve usually catches up in five minutes. <laughs> it's like super quick. Um, we, I think, what was it? When Steve joined the band last year, we started learning a whole new album worth of songs. And so now it's like, not even within a year, somehow we're already playing a whole second album of songs. It's just like the process is so quick when we get into the studio together. Yeah, sometimes, you know, Liam or Shrenik will bring in a song and within a couple takes, I just, have a feel on what the drum beat should be, and by the end of practice, we have a pretty good uh, feel of what the song is. Uh, so it's nice to have those lucky moments. Eleven lucky moments. <laughs> Eleven lucky moments. That'll be the album title. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And I was drawn to the name too. Tell me about the the name of the project and what it means, and if it's reflected at all in the music or the vibe of the music. It's the name of a woman. I was like, three dudes in a band, we need some lady look. <laughs> That's what it is. And Minakshi, um, typically, it's derived from Sanskrit words, so it's like, mean means eyes, and oh uh, no, mean means, um, I forget my own roots. Aksh <laughs> means eyes, uh, mean is fish, so it's like a woman with beautiful fish-like eyes. Um, so it's, it's a woman's name. Personally, it's also my mom's name, but it's like I don't really hold it very closely. It's just, it's a woman's name. Um, so yeah, that was that was it. And it, it wasn't taken. That name <laughs> wasn't taken. It, it was very important and it's short. So I was like, let's just go with it. Um, so. Always super important in this yeah. day and age of the internet that the yeah. name is not already taken. Yeah, I mean, which is why when you look up Menachi or previously when you used to, all you would see is just like a list of Indian women on Google, <laughs> which would be really weird. But now, like since the album release and a few features later, it's like we are right there on top, which is also a good feeling. It's like, all right, you type in Menachi, the band shows up, and then you're like, okay, now we're relevant. And what I really love about this project and what I find really intriguing and interesting is the wide array of influences you know you could definitely hear the shoegaze and the post-rock influences in the music and the textures in the sound but you've also mentioned that you're influenced by sufi music and i just wanted everyone that's listening to understand what that is and what the influences how they come out in the songs from that particular type of music so as far as I know, like to the best of my knowledge, Sufism is not a sect, you know, it's not a religion. Um, the way Sufis operate, it's, it's more about a feeling and an emotion. It's, they're very spiritual beings, 
They write about love a lot, which I think we also do in the band. Um, so it's, it's, it's more of an emotive gesture um, rather than, you know, incorporating tropes, uh, which I may be doing accidentally. Once again, I don't really know. But stuff like, you know, I, I still listen to the Sufi legends like Nusrat, uh, which is a well-known name in America as well, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, sir, and Rahat Fateh. Ali Khan, Abhida Parveen, like all of those those greats from Pakistan, like who write twelve minute compositions, and it's very vocal led, and and their voice is like heavenly. It just puts you in a trance. Um, that is something that we are exploring as well, or at least I sort of tend to venture into it. And we have a song Nana on on the Dream Pop that sort of um, yeah. Sheds light on that. Do you want to? Do you want to share? It's probably the most. I mean, if if you had to put it in simple terms, it's the most different Manachi song. It's like the most like um, unprecedented, you know. Because I mean, most of the time, like when you go and enter so far the Manachi discography, there are a couple of things you'll expect: guitar, you know, you'll expect guitar, you'll expect drums. There's none of that on them, you know. It it starts off with piano. You know, and ambience, and it's very vocal based. Um, and oftentimes in Minachi, you know, we have that shoegaze influence where the vocals are mixed very in the mix, and yeah. drums are booming, and the guitars wash over you. And Nana is just completely like it keeps the atmosphere and the you know the the vibe of Minachi, but it goes into a completely different direction, um, and definitely incorporating the, those Sufi vibes and. As you alluded to earlier, there's songs that you've written in Hindi and there, there are songs in English as well. How do you decide between whether to write a song, the lyrics in Hindi or English? Is it something that just it comes to you Comes to you, and that's how it decides to come out? Yeah, it's like we, you sit with the acoustic guitar and, and you know, it's the first thing you think about is the melody. And then the next thing you think about is the phonetics. Sometimes it strikes in Hindi and that's when you're like, okay. I think it's going to be in Hindi, and then some other times it's like, all right, it's in English. So that's it. It's it's a very subconscious decision. It's like spur of the moment thing. You don't even like sit and and, and decide that this is the kind of song you want to write. It's, it, it's probably like also what you're listening to at the time too. You know, let's yeah. say you're listening to a lot of music in Hindi, you're probably more inspired vocally or lyrically than that way probably. One hundred percent, definitely. So I think that is also a factor. So, previously you had mentioned that you were kind of scared to write in Hindi. Were you maybe suppressing that subconsciously and then kind of let it out more when maybe you were inspired? I think so. I think it was more fear, you know, just like fear of, of, of being wrong or writing something that wasn't right. But then at the same time, as you grow, you just realize that you just got to do whatever, you know, you have to do for yourself. and. Because you're at the end of the day, you're doing it for yourself. Granted that you want people to listen to it, and you know, hope that it'll take you somewhere. But I think as long as you're staying true um, to what you're writing about, that should be fine. And quite often, like even when I read the lyrics, sometimes that are written in Hindi, I'm like, holy fuck! That's like, okay, that's not bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I have completely lost the fear of writing in Hindi, and I think. On the positive side, it just opens up to a brand new set set of audience. Yeah. So business standpoint, you know, it's like three billion people. You know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Three yeah. billion people. So, <laughs> um, and I think 
even from a band standpoint, like we don't really think in terms of languages. Like I haven't really heard either Andrew, Steve, or Liam go like, "Oh, this is an indie band anymore." Yeah, it's you know? well. The, and the thing was, and this is like before we had any recordings at first, before we had anything to listen to, and it was just studio recordings that were really awfully recorded. <laughs> I didn't know the lyrics at first. You know, I mean, I just didn't like. I we didn't play them acoustically that much at that point, and I just didn't know the words. And but it didn't. And I think, even though I care about what the lyrics are, of course, I, I think that kind of created this attitude where it's really like, it doesn't matter what language you sing to me. You know, the music is universal. No yeah, the music is a feeling. Yeah, as you had mentioned before, kind of that Sufi philosophy almost. I would, I would like to know Steve's thought about it because Steve, I think we've we've practiced one with you, Manchala. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I, I do like the lyrics, the Sufi lyrics that I hear come through now and again, but honestly, most of the time, it's so distorted that I can't hear the lyrics anyways, or you know what language it, it's in. Yeah, I, I definitely hear it in the melodies, just in the songwriting. I I, I definitely hear. Uh, you know, a certain Indian influence there. And it, it's, I think it's a great synthesis of taking this sort of Western rock format and being able to incorporate these traditional melodies from a different culture into it. Yeah, a lot of it just happens unintentionally. Yeah. I wanted to also ask Shrednik about your work as a graphic designer and the artwork you've done for this project. You've also worked on music videos for this project. So you're a multidisciplinary artist. How do you find the different areas of art overlapping specifically with Minaxi? And do, the, do they inspire one another? Do they bleed into one another? Uh, not directly, I think. Um, I think design is, I, I enjoy working in design like as much as I love, you know, working on music, um, design. The only difference is that I'm a trained designer. I have had professional training. Um, so in terms of like, what has helped me in hindsight with the design is thinking in terms of concepts. So like transferring that to the music, it is really efficient. I wouldn't say easy, but it, 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 it has almost become second nature. Like think of visuals as a concept um, and then apply them cohesively to a body of work that can be an album, that can be a series of EPs. Uh, and then the stuff that we have visualized for the series of EPs that will be out next month onwards, it's, it has a different uh, visual connotation than you know the, the blue and red scheme that yeah. we've had going on. So in that, in that regard, it really helps you think in terms of like different systems uh but other than that i tend to like keep those parts separate uh aside from you know the band associations like i teach design uh primarily like that's my day job i really enjoy that um but then it's like yeah it's, it's very rarely do i like blend it other than you know creating visuals for for the music and you mentioned you have a series of EPs coming out. Quab is your debut full length that you released in March. And before that, you put out Zid last summer. Mm -hmm. Tell me about these three EP, these uh, series of EPs that you have uh, coming out over the next year. I mean, 
tag team it with me. There's a lot of stuff. It's a lot. I mean, it's so we were initially inspired by, I mean, honestly, just the situation <laughs> of this year so far, you know, um, the pandemic. I mean, essentially, we were just here. We're living in the same apartment, you know, the we can't play with Steve right now. And so it's just like, what are we doing? Like, I get my projects are put on hold. Uh, we had the ability to record. So we just thought, okay, let's just start writing songs. We started off with actually one of the first songs that we did for the project is going to be the first single for EP1, It's Got Me. And it kind of was just born out of like, when we realized it, it was kind of just this emotion of, you know, the dream of reality outside of this and how an optimistic almost feeling in, during the situation of like, things are okay. Um, and once that started, we were like, hey, let's just keep going. You know, let's just keep following this vibe and exploring all of the emotions that we think we're feeling or perhaps the world's feeling during this um, pandemic and being stuck inside and, you know, and having everything put on hold. And so I think we have to explore a lot of those themes, not necessarily literally, lyrically, but in um, conceptually throughout as a whole. And also, I think the atmosphere and vibe is very, you know, we go through different shades. EP1 is very um, blissful and optimistic, kind of like the calm before the storm. EP2 a little rougher, you know, stormy weather. And then EP3 is kind of like, what are you? What have you reached? You know, where are you after the after the facts? Um, yeah. Um, to just piggyback off of Liam's uh, thoughts, our intention, you know, in an ideal world, was to record our second LP with Steve on the drums. We had been working on a series of 10 songs. We were like getting really tight as a band. Uh, yeah. And then COVID happened. So we still have those 10 songs in the, in the you know, on, on, on the shelf that we haven't really touched since, you know, we've uh, paused our practice. So just like, just as we understood the gravity of the situation and how uncertain it is in terms of like, nobody knows like when we'll be back together and this was just our means to not go insane and just yeah. have a focus. Um, and then it started out with just like a couple songs and you know, we were in the same house, shared ideas like, hey, this is what I'm writing. Let's share what you're writing. And then they're like, all right, let's just join forces. And we have like, lo and behold, we're looking at 14 songs. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. When this began, I was like, you know, we'll, we'll do like a, a five, six song thing. How much do we have? 14. 14. Wow. And you know, fully recorded, sending off to Patrick to mix, and those are turning out fantastic. And it, honestly, a lot of what fueled me for this is that I was angry. Before, literally before, you know, stay at home started happening, we played probably one of our best shows, like a week before at Much More's. Much More's. And yeah, last, my last outing I had basically before. <laughs> <laughs> And that was one of our most busy shows. That was one of our most awesome great sets. Sounding show as well. it, it was great. It was just fantastic. And then a week later, everything, you know, people, you know, everything collapsed. And so it was kind of like everything felt exhilarating. Like all of my projects were going awesomely. Like LP2 was going to begin recording in what, the next month? April. Yeah. What? And then boom, it was gone. So honestly, a lot of these songs are born out of just like, you know, creative juices flowing but they're not able to go anywhere so and i think it also opens up to a brand new sort of sound palette in a way because you obviously you cannot 
have the freedom to you know explore analog equipment that you're used to doing in the studio so it's like hey you have a laptop you have the interface you have your sm57 mic and you have your pedals let's just make the most of it um and you know that really even though it has a few limit limitations it you can really experiment with it and and, and explore a new territory so the way i see this new material it's it's more of a sensual nature there isn't a lot of like hotter elements yeah it's more in the dream pop lo-fi sort of cubase realm um um we sent you a couple ones so it's like that's going to be the vibe for the entire ep and like leah mentioned it's like it has a curve right um starts off blissful then it gets chaotic and then at the end it's like the resolution that can be applied to anything i think the way i see it it's 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 a person's journey um through love you know enjoying the love <clears throat> heartbreak absolute worthlessness soul searching and you know the resulting rebirth so like that's how i see the curve yeah but once again the way liam sees it is also true so it's like i think that's the beauty about keeping it open and having a very sort of general narrative yeah it's really inspiring because i can't imagine putting out an lp and then basically being deflated because of all this shit happening so yeah. for you guys to get right back on it that quickly is testament to your will and strength so kudos to y'all it's the best we can do right it, it's like if, if we hadn't done that i think we have sort of discovered a lot about each other's music as well especially liam liam and i i think you will hear two voices but at the same time it feels like it's just coming from one person or, or one sort of spirit yeah it's definitely interesting i mean it's it's there's a huge dip one of the biggest differences I, i think between like this you know the new era of manakshi is that like i'm being more involved as a songwriter and as a, a vocalist and guitarist because before that in lp1 you don't really you don't hear any of that you hear the bass for me and that was it but and so that's another thing it's like um i don't even know if that if not for this pandemic that might have not been born as fast as it was it was almost born out of necessity yeah because I was just hungry. Yeah. And um, we were like let's just join forces and you know do things like a lot more collaboratively. Because previously uh, we did have ideas about you know Liam writing a couple songs for the second LP, but now he has what six, seven. Yeah, and and more half like, the songs on the EP like are written by Liam so. Wow. That's really awesome powerful stuff. All right, now you are going to play some songs for us. You're going to play Stargazer perhaps my favorite song off of your new album Quab and then you're going to play two songs that are not yet released It's Got Me which will be on the next EP which I think you're planning on releasing in June and Smile which will be out after that Right Yeah Okay. Go for it. This is Stargazer. <laughs>
to believe all that I am told. I'm a creature of my own thoughts. Call me what you must while I draw my luck. Oh, it's not over until I say so. You will never be the same But you sure can go back And start again Feel again The moon is out to shine And the stars align Yeah, here we are Living a lie in the sky and I just like to feel alive sometimes We, we did a, a radio interview back in November uh, in Manhattan where Steve was just like banging on the table. <laughs> it was like a live acoustic session and there were two acoustic guitars and Steve on. Table nice. Phone. Awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to do another? All right. Cool. This one is off the new EPs. Um, it's the first one that I wrote for them. It's called It's Got Me.
watch me at garden. The half class is standing. It's God. Smile, it's on the second EP. Not sure when that will be out, but ready? Come on. 
my eyes Dream away from me this time
absolutely incredible live set from Manaxi. We heard Stargazer, which is on their debut LP, Quab, which you can get via Bandcamp, Manaxi, M-I-N-A-X-I, .bandcamp.com, and you can also stream it on your streaming service of choice. And then we heard two brand new songs, It's Got Me and Smile. Thank you for sharing those tunes with us. And we wrapped up that set with another pre-recorded song, not performed live. We heard Belladonna from Quab. Now, you guys picked some records from my record collection, and we're going to play them, starting with Steve. Um, I So, Shranik sent me your collection last night, Tom, so I, I skimmed it. It's... You, you got an impressive collection, so I didn't see the whole thing. But I saw you had some Bowie and Radiohead, Station to Station. Yeah. Do, do you have a particular song off of Station to Station that you'd like to hear? I've always been a big fan of Stay. I think it's one of his more uh, underrated cuts. Yeah, totally. So I, I've, I was thinking about it, and again, amazing collection. So much stuff I love in there. Like, I was really tempted to pick something really contemporary, because I saw that there was like Longbeard snail mail in there, and I'm really into that stuff right now. But I had to go and pick it because it's influenced me so much. I picked Sunday Morning by Velvet Underground and Nico. Nice. Beautiful song. Beautiful, beautiful song. The song is just the ambience in it. Is, it's, not, it's a really simple sentiment, really beautiful, simple song. Um, but the ambience and the vibe to it that just hums and glows just is the perfect tone setter. And... It just gets you into such a lulled state that the grit of the rest of the album just punches you so hard. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's it's ambient in a different way than you guys make your music, which also has a vibe and an ambience, but it seems like that overall approach to creating a vibe has influenced you. Yeah, it's... It's like there, there are so many things that we all listen to, you know, that don't that influence us more so on a conceptual or on yeah. an emotional level than they do on a technical level. Yeah, and that's what that song does for me. I mean, it, it's definitely Velvet Underground has so many brilliant songs, you know, Sister Ray, uh, Heroin, amazing songs, but that's one of my most listened to ones by them. I just love it. Yeah, it is a Sunday morning. They captured the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and what did you select? I have one from Slowdine's new album that was on the on your list. Uh, it's called Everyone Knows. That's, <clears throat> I think it's one of those tracks, you know, it's like you, you hear about Star Roving and you hear Slow Mo and then you hear Falling Ashes. But I think that's, for me, that's one of the hidden gems. Um, not just because of the feeling and the vibe, just the way slow dive does slow dive incorporating rachel's vocals with neil's backing vocals together that song has been uh, like that whole album has been with me uh, ever since we were working on the recording for quab and you know we recorded the whole thing in baltimore so on my way back that song would be on, on my ipod uh, and that whole album and it has grown on me over the last year and i think that for me everyone knows is one of the standouts Tell me, because I didn't know you recorded Quab in Baltimore. What was the recording process like behind this record, oh, and who'd you uh, work with? Uh, so you think that's why Andrew left. <laughs> <laughs> so the amount, the amount of so what's funny about it is, 
it's not too complicated. It's just lengthy and disjointed. It's all of the guitar and drums and bass and everything was recorded in the same place in Baltimore with Patrick, but the trips and journeys were just like, so the drums were all recorded in what, two sessions? Right? Yeah, two sessions. two sessions and the bass in two as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then the guitar was just, and the vocals to another extent were just spread throughout the year. For four to five months. So basically we had like 14 straight recording days that were like spread out over the course of the whole year. Um, we started in January when Andrew and I, we were first recorded stuff what for was, Zit. Was oh yeah, and you did Moist and Last Night, right? We did, yeah, we did two takes for Last Night and Moist that didn't really make uh, on the EP. And Zit's supposed to be outtakes from, from the album. Those were like us just trying to figure out, you know, studio sound and how to sort of, how does our sound come together, you know, um, in a studio. So that's when two of the drums were recorded. And then we, the, the actual production began in June. Uh, I think it was 26th or something last year. Uh, the three of us went down, recorded drums and bass uh, for five songs. Long day. Long day, okay. one session. That was it. Um, once that was done, um, I had to just schedule meetings with Patrick because the studio that we used as part of uh, my, my alma mater, Micah, the grad school that I went to. So quite often it was booked by the students. So like I had to book sessions way in advance and um, we pretty much did like one session every month, uh, sometimes even two, and the recordings were wrapped up in October, and two sets of mixes were made. Patrick mixed the songs his way, which I didn't really like. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> that is somewhere in the can, and then I mixed it uh, in November. It took me like five weeks to like go through everything, because it was an insane amount of tracks. like. Insane between anywhere between 70 to 80. Wow, it's like so. Like, I basically, if you pull that journal, I had to create a map for myself. So, like, for every song, there's like, yeah, wow. Were, were you doing lots of overdubs or it was mostly guitar overdubs more than anything? Yeah. <clears throat> we had like two amps and eight mics. So I had to like make sense of what those recordings were. Let me just like pick a good one. Um, that one looks crazy. So like this, just like my notes basically. <laughs> and these are just guitars. Yeah, yeah. These are just guitars trying to like make sense of wave files. Um, <laughs> like, you know, like moist all of the guitars. Um, <laughs> it's good to sort of, it was, it was a learning curve for me as well. Just like five weeks into it. Um, but now Patrick has been mixing all of the dream pop stuff and we absolutely love it. It's interesting because I remember you, you wanted to mix the LP yourself and it just, I think that is a testament to how different the sound is. Because it's like, the EPs, the way he's mixing these is amazing. <laughs> it's like- Do you mean to say the LP is awful? No, no, no. <laughs> what I mean is like, the, the I think maybe the, it's just like different mixing style, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. something about it cl like, is clicking so amazingly. Like he is amazing at what he does. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to record with him. You know, it's like he knows what he does. And I had been working with him as a grad school student for a couple of years prior to, you know, the band forming. And I basically owe a lot of like, basically all my music to him. Like he, you know, he was the one, like I would schedule sessions with him um, 
You just learn about production. He, he recorded you when you sucked. Yeah, basically he recorded <laughs> me when I sucked for two years straight and there's 21 gigabytes of data on that computer. <laughs> uh, and we really laugh about it sometimes when we see each other. But it's been it's been a fun journey and, and I think without Patrick, this wouldn't have been possible. Um, so, you know, we would carry the guitars and a suitcase full of pedals on the boat bus over the weekend. You know, on, on the subways and the, bring the, it back. The delayed bull bus. Oh. <laughs> but it's all worth it at the end, you know. You listen to it and you're like, all right, you just finished what you started. That's what sometimes you know, it's, it's all about. And then the pandemic happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. So do you think it sounds like the experience of recording this first album really shaped you? Did you find it coming out in the music at all? traveling on bolt buses dealing with a long extended recording process it's uh, wasn't the really. the lp itself was most mostly written exactly. i think i think yeah. probably and i'm just assuming because it's kind of how i felt the time i went to record it was it's because it's not like you can just you know oh i'm gonna go this weekend to go record you had go and this is your time and then you might not be going for another month so you got to make the most of it yeah like you got to make sure you do great so i feel like that probably impacted it a bit emotionally it's like okay i gotta do this right mm -hmm. now yeah and and then, I, yeah i think that that was 100 percent a factor because you only had a set number of hours and then every song you know it's like you were sort of referencing you know the vibe of like six to seven songs or whatever artists and then on my on my bus rides that's like right constantly listening to the sounds and it's like, hey, Patrick, how do you do that? How do you get that sound? Or let's try this, let's try that. Yeah. In that way, definitely did influence. But other than that, all of this stuff was written like in 2018. Um, yeah. So yeah, like everything was planned and the vibe just came to be like as, you know, we moved with the sessions. And I think had the sessions not been as sporadic, we wouldn't really have had as much diversity. Mm. No, yeah, I feel that. It's it's like, it's also, um, I mean, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, good. so our, our second LP with, you know, the, the tracks that we've been working on since June last year, we have planned to record the drums in, in Greenpoint with Steve's and our, our friend Alex Meatfox, who's also amazing. Uh, I've hung out with him a couple of times. And so the drum sound will, will be completely different. Uh, you know, whenever that happens. Oh, uh, if the, the EPs sound different than Quab, but LP2 is going to sound just as different. Like, it's almost, everything's changed. And that's kind of, again, so much excitement coming into this year, you know, for everything Minachi. Like, to get those new drum sounds, to, like, get the new tone and the new vibe on the record. And it's just like, you know. Yeah, it's, I think for now, for me, that's a question of patience. Personal meaning in these EPs, that's what they're about. Yeah. <laughs> and just a patient. There's so much patience, you know, uh, that you have to have during these times. And sometimes it can be tough, but that's what it is. All right, let's play the records that you picked, starting with Stay by David Bowie off of Station to Station, Sunday Morning off of the Velvet Underground and Nico by the Velvet Underground and Nico and Everyone Knows by Slow Dive.
on it It's just a restless feeling By my side Early dawning Sunday morning It's just the wasted years So close Child, the world's behind you There's always someone around you who will call It's nothing at all Sunday
Black. We just heard Manaxi's picks. We heard David Bowie. Stay off of Station to Station. Velvet Underground Sunday morning off of the Velvet Underground and Nico. And Slow Dive, everyone knows, off of their 2017 self-titled album. Now we're coming to the end of the show, but the band has plans to release the first of a series of EPs in June. Do you have a release schedule lined up or anything like that for the other two? Yeah, I'm so realistically assessing how the pandemic is going, you know, even if we do, even if, you know, the restrictions do alleviate over the next few months, we probably won't be playing shows because, you know, nobody's going to show up until, you know, it's officially okay for people to like gather in large numbers. But the idea is to just put these out over a period of four months, starting June until September, just because there's so much material. And for an unknown band, it's... Yeah, we just, we just don't need... We, we, I don't think it makes sense to just like, you know, just evacuate it all at once. You yeah. know, it, it'll almost be like a waste. Mm-hmm. And then from the release experience of Quad, what we've learned, it was like, it was really nice because the release cycle lasted for three months. And that really opened up opportunities for press and premieres and all of that. So we have a lot of that set aside as well. Um, and our Wicked Lady has been kind enough to let us do a release show for the first EP next month. Um, so we'll be live streaming that whenever uh, the release date is finalized. So, you know, just like taking into account those opportunities and building a following of sorts um, and getting those streaming channels populated. But once we're back, the idea is to just like get back on those 10 songs and make sure, you know, we're completely fleshed out and whenever we are able to record, just record those. Super exciting. And everyone, you can hear Quab via your streaming service of choice. And it's also available on Bandcamp, monoxy.bandcamp.com, where you can get it via digital download. Black files. Black files. That's the high quality shit. (laughs) Don't forget your preamp. Also, I think uh, the band has an amazing journey of just like sort of how things sort of came to be. Um, So Andrew and I, we started and then Andrew left in June. And then that night uh, I was walking home with Liam from practice and we went to this deli and we were like, holy shit, what do we do? It was like, you know, um, I think it was mid-June or right right after we had recorded the drums. um, And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to see sit tight for a month and, and see what happens if not i'm just gonna get out of the rehearsal space so i sent an email to my friends in the band hype mom like hey looking for a drummer you know if you know anyone um and then they pulled some strings and that's how we met steve and you know, here, here we are uh, awesome so yeah it's like i i pretty much had almost given up on on, on, on the drummer they, they pulled a string and steve happened to be attached yeah, to that yeah, string. Yeah. <laughs> and you know it's i think for steve it must take so much patience for him to just like be excited and then be in the wake of pandemic where you know it's it's just a question of time where you can actually hear steve on the record because i think he's a fantastic drummer yeah um, I, i've been uh i've been getting twitchy i'm looking forward to getting behind a drum kit again exactly. yeah totally um yeah. It, it, 
still great to hear the new material. Shrenik sent me a few new songs last night, and it all sounds very exciting. So, Yeah, I was listening to them today. They sound excellent. Let's close out the show with one more song from your brand new debut album, Quab. We're going to hear Zid. Thanks, Minoxi, for being on episode 126 of Look At My Records. Yeah.